The following program has been furnished and paid for by Kevin Seven Financial Services, and KSCV is not responsible for its content or the products or services offered. Welcome to Your Finances with Kevin Seven here on KSEV, a show about finance and retirement planning. And now, here's your host, Kevin Coogley. Hello, and welcome to Kevin Seven, Your Finances radio show. Yeah. I am Kevin in the studio with Gary Knight, and Thomas Thornton is helping us doing some video so we can rebroadcast it. Right now, we are on all the podcast services. You can always check us out. Just search in your podcast of choice, Kevin's, K-E-V-I-N-S, the number seven, and you'll be able to pull us up and listen to something that struck your interest. If you wanted a little bit more detail, you can go back and listen to any podcast that you want and... Today is Wednesday, October the 11th. We're here every Wednesday at 6. Actually, the show starts at 6.05 p.m. every Wednesday evening. The Your Finances Show, where we can take your questions live on the air at 281-558-KSEV. That's 281-558-5738. And wow, it's market. been a, it's How about been a the market? crazy week, huh? I'm afraid of the market, though. Is yeah. it, it's not as bad as the week before. but uh. Well, yes, obviously. We had a crisis over the weekend with the invasion of Israel. And immediately I started looking at what the market does in times of political, geopolitical strife. And there are charts that you can look at. And all the way back to Pearl Harbor attack, what does the S&P 500 do during times of political upheaval and times of war? And we could see, you know, right after the Pearl Harbor attack, you have one day that market was down 3.8%. The bottom took 143 days after that. It went down 19.8%. So the average on all of the, I'm looking about, 20 different geopolitical crises, it appears about 25. The average one-day drawdown was only 1.1%, and the bottom was averaged 19 days after the crisis happened. Now, we're actually up. We were up Friday. We were up Monday and Tuesday, and we are up again today with the S&P 500. So the whole theme in this, and we always say this, on the Your Finances show is that you're going to be all right as long as you're in it for the long term. And usually these strife, the geopolitical events that happened, whether it be a, you know, the Cuban Missile Crisis or even, you know, something like the Kennedy assassination, it, it'll, the stock market does rebound. So, on average, 19.4 days, and but the, the drawdown could go down as low as 4.7. But here in the last three days since we saw that invasion in Israel, actually, it's we're up. And we're up over the last five days since we were last here, or the last seven days since we were here in the studio. 
So the main reason for that is that you have more people buying treasuries. And we say the axiom of the yield of the 10-year treasury and prices is actually whenever more people buy U.S. treasury yields, in particular the 10-year treasury yield, right? When the price goes up, the yield, yeah, the yield goes down. And people have been flocking to the dollar. The dollar, and from a technical analysis, is actually showing that it is overbought right now. So a lot of people are buying dollars. So that's not uncommon when you see geopolitical strife as well. And we're seeing that, I believe, right now when people, when strife breaks out around the world, the U.S. dollar is still hands down the strongest currency and more investors across the world are buying the dollar. So we talk about an inverse relationship, the inverse relationship, or it's an axiom, whenever more people buy, so that, that makes the yields more, the, the, the bonds more expensive because you have more buyers and the yield comes down. So now the 10-year Treasury is down to 4.558. It was up as high as 4.9% last week. Wow. And so the higher the U.S. 10-year Treasury goes, typically the uh, tougher it is with the stock market. So the 10-year Treasury yield has come down. That's been a good sign for the market. So the market's been up since Friday, Friday, Monday, Tuesday, and again today. Bonds are still down. What's that? Are the bonds still down? Yeah, so that that's the well the 10-year treasury okay. is actually down. So the yield is paying a little bit less. Now we we're talking about the US dollar, right? It's getting stronger. There is an inverse relationship with the US dollar and oil. So whenever the dollar becomes stronger, Oil prices will go down because it's the U.S. petrodollar, right? And right now we're looking at U.S. oil being uh, West Texas Intermediate crude oil. It's $83.21. So there you have it. It's been pretty strong in the market. And you can go back and look and In the time of geopolitical events, like we had a major one Saturday, you have, in the long run, you're going to be better off to stay in the market. That's good, right? Market is okay then. Could be better, but could be worse. Yes. So September is generally a tough month. And so, and as I said in the last, we, we, we move people in and out of markets from time to time. And so with... Last month being September, we move people out because it's traditionally a tough month. 281-558-5738 is the number to call. 281-558-5738. KSCB is the last four there, and that should get you right through. And uh, we'll be happy, or I won't be happy to answer your question because I don't know anything about what he's talking about. But I am learning. I'm writing down like a good student that I am. Yes, and you can always go back and listen to the podcasts. Yes. And YouTube is by far the largest podcaster out there. 
And so we're going to we're all already on YouTube, and then we're going to be having this on video. We'll you're try adding? that and see how it looks. Oh, you're adding. What do you have? You have everything going. Uh, you told me uh, just took a minute to to tell me where you're at everywhere. I mean, you can't be missed. Yes. Whoa. So yeah, oh. it's it's just to remember the K E V I N S and the number seven, K E V I N S the number seven dot com. If you'd like to schedule an appointment and chat with us, the core of what we do is financial planning and help people invest with their money. You can dial 877-KEVINS-7, K-E-V-I-N-S, the number is 7. My assistant, Susan, will answer the phone, and she will get you on the calendar if you would like to chat about your finances personally. So you can always call in and chat publicly, and you don't have to give your last name or anything like that, and we can give you advice and go from there. So... But the whole, again, the heart of everything we do is financial planning. We partner with Ramsey. We're big advocates of the seven baby steps where step number one, if you don't have it, put $1,000 into an emergency account. Then number two, pay off credit card debt. Number three, put three to six months worth of savings into an account, right, savings account, liquid cash account. By the way, money markets are paying upwards of 5.2% right now. So you don't want to have your money in a bank account paying nothing. And if you can put it into something that's still fully liquid, like a money market account, and get that 5.2 plus percent. So three to six months. Now, baby step number four is you put in... 15% 15% into your retirement account. And I had this question earlier this week. Well, if, say if I put in 10% of my income into my retirement account where I work, mm. and then that other 5%, I want to put it into my own personal Roth IRA. Yes, you could do that. And, you know, whatever it takes to get you to that 15%. So you put in 15% into a retirement account in your working years. That's baby step number four. And then baby step five, take a look at your kid's education. Baby step number six is pay off that home mortgage. And then seven. Now, I'm not as dogmatic about that baby step number six as Ramsey would be because if everybody being in a low interest rate, they've... Unless you just bought a home within the last year or so, you probably got a decent interest rate down around 3%, maybe lower, maybe higher. And if you can make money market account and you're getting 5.2%, right, that's that's something that could be considered. Now, Dave is dogmatic. He says, no, there's something more tangible. You know, you, you should pay it off, pay off that mortgage. So... You know, that's something you can't quantify that's fantastic whenever you pay off your mortgage, right? So that's baby step number six, is paying off the mortgage. Baby step number seven is build wealth and give. So there you have it. You have the seven baby steps. Generally, Kevin, seven firm. We start working with people usually around baby step number four. Ramsey has people for uh, they actually call them Ramsey coaches whenever you're on baby step one, two, three, 
and you're looking to develop some good budgeting habits if you're brand new to spending money if you're a kid and you're learning savings habits and all that there's all kinds of resources that are out there and for people who have debt issues also there's some coaches that ramsey has that's pretty helpful so again when we look at retirement savings we look at doing a financial plan and the financial plan is a way for you to see where you're going takes into account what you have what your net worth is how much you're saving how much you're spending and it forecasts that into the future so that you have a road map to invest so that's the road map shows you how you should allocate your assets. So you're not doing just investing just to be investing, but it's based on a financial plan. And you results matter, performance matters. So we look at what you've got. And one of the biggest mistakes that I see, Gary, yeah. is that people are over-diversified. And with being over-diversified, I mean, they've got crazy amounts of different mutual funds inside of their statement. And it doesn't matter if it's their employer retirement account or if it's their account that they have with a brokerage company or a registered investment advisory firm. Usually we see over-diversification. And over-diversification is not a good thing. You know why? Why? Because it hurts performance. And performance matters. Diversification, over-diversification, is protection against ignorance. It makes very little sense to those who know what they are doing. So when I see this, it's very, very common when I see somebody upload uh, into our financial planning software. We have bank encrypted financial planning software where people can upload from their phone their statements. And we see this time and time again that people are over diversified and it's maybe they received bad direction in the past, but their, their performance is lagging. So why is that? Well, with each investment choice, People should have the courage to put a conviction of 10% at least of their investable assets into one stock. So we go even higher than that. We go 14%. That's where the Kevin Seven name comes from. Works kind of like a mutual fund. It's not sold by prospectus. And we can show you results whenever you do a Zoom call with us. You have 14% around 14% in each individual stock. So we have the conviction. And boy, that really worked out fantastic for people this year. Because this year, we had NVIDIA in there. Oh, NVIDIA. Not many people can say they had 14% at least of their investable assets in NVIDIA, which skyrocketed because of AI. So there's, you know, I went to business school 
did the MBA. But there's, unfortunately, there's a, business schools reward difficult, complex behavior more than simple behavior. But simple behavior Mm -hmm. is actually more effective. Keeping a limitation on your investment choices, particularly within stocks, when you do the seven stocks, it makes it simpler and it drives performance. That's why we beat anybody in performance as far as stocks go that I've seen out there. Keeping it simple. So that is what we use for aggressive investors, the stocks. And then we allocate it or bring it more conservative. We allocate people out of the Kevin seven. We would put more, for instance, somebody who is an income investor or I got a category from one to five, five being the most aggressive, one being the most conservative. Say if somebody came out as a two, which means they're pretty conservative, then that means we would put around 80% of their money into something called a structured note that would protect their principal to some degree or 100% on the downside. So the average portfolio out there is 60-40. What the heck does that mean? Well, 60% of your money would be in stocks. 40% of it would be in bonds. Bonds did not do very well last year. They went down. Everybody was not buying bonds. So you have more sellers. The, the, the price goes down of bonds. It negatively affected bond mutual funds. So a lot of people lost money last year because of the 60-40 split. We use structured notes to protect on the downside. What the heck is a structured note? We like to talk about things that most people have not heard of. So this is something that I'm going to try to make as clear as possible to everybody out there. There's trade-offs in investing. And so, for instance, if you want to go into a money market, you're you're not going to get a stock market return. That's pretty basic and simple, right? So you're trading off your return to sit in a money market and get that 5.2%. A structured note would be somewhere in between. So somebody who doesn't want their money in a market or somebody does not want their money 100% in stocks, well, there's a trade-off. So you can do something called, and by the way, these structured notes are created. They are also issued, and the thing is called issued in our industry. So an investment bank like Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan, Morgan Stanley, Bank of America, RBC, all of these investment banks create structured notes, and it's all about trade-offs. So whenever you have money, you go into a structured note, you can protect the downside 100% or protect it down to, say, a 30% barrier. So what the heck does that mean? So 100% barrier... Well, let's say it's 100% protected. The structured note that's created is 100% protected. You're not going to get a high participation if it's linked to the stock market because you're sacrificing to get more protection. If you want 100% of your principal protected, it's going to sacrifice that upside participation if it's a market-linked structured note. Something is called a barrier. Say, well, maybe I just want to – I'm okay with having exposure, but – I just want to, you know, have it where the 
It's protected on the downside to say maybe 30% on the downside. So then the investment bank would create the structured note. They give protection down to 30%. Say in this example, it's a barrier. If it goes down more than 30%, you lose money. But as long as it doesn't go down below that 30% barrier, you're fine. And with that, you have an income. Obviously, there's an incentive for people to go into this. There's an income that it will pay. And over the past couple of years or so, we've seen income pay anywhere from 75 to 10% on a structured note that has a barrier down to 30%. So that would be the difference. There's something also called a market-linked CD. Now, there was a company here a while back in Houston that had issued CDs, and, I, and, it, and it went under. And unfortunately, people lost money in that. It was not an American CD. It was an offshored CD. And so I believe that the rules in the industry were changed. Now, an investment company cannot even use the word CD, oh. certificate of deposit, unless it is FDIC insured, right? No more of that stuff. Of course, that firm went bankrupt here in Houston. I guess that was back in 08, 09. Very bad story. Unfortunately, a lot of people lost a lot of money. It was, you know, offshored money. It wasn't, the money didn't stay in America. So I, as far as I can tell now, within our within the industry you cannot say even use the word cd as if you're a financial advisor unless that thing is fdic insured well, so that's interesting kevin we can take a quick break here we you make time go by so quickly kevin seven at uh, 281-558-5738 281-558-kscb don't go away we'll be back quickly <laughs> Having a hard time knowing what kind of income you may expect in retirement? Kevin Seven is a financial planning firm. We take you from financial confusion to financial confidence. A financial plan takes into account what you're making, spending, and saving, and forecasts that into the future. Call us at 877-KEVIN-7. That's 877-538-4677. We can schedule an appointment for you via Zoom, phone, or even in person. Or visit us on our website at kevin7.com. K-E-V-I-N-S, the number 7.com. back 
here on the Your Finances Show on 700 AM KSCV. My name is Kevin. The name of the firm is Kevin Seven. Shout out to all of you Aggies out there. You're going to be playing the University of Tennessee this weekend. And yeah, I'm a Tennessee graduate, so we encourage all of you all to come in and have fun in Neyland Stadium. It's nearly as big as Kyle Field up there. And so good spirit and camaraderie in between the Aggies and the Tennesseans. uh, Tennessee and Texas are like brothers' states, so uh, it'll be a fun game. Packed, too, isn't it? It's always crowded. Yeah. It'll be a fun game this weekend. You can get a pretty good flight on Allegiant Airlines. Can you tell us who's going to win? Obviously, it's going to be Tennessee, but, uh, you know. Because the letters are, 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 you know, Tennessee comes first. (laughs) I have to say that. I I got my bachelor's at the University of Tennessee. And so, uh, but, you know, we we love the Aggies. In fact, I have a friend there. He owns a restaurant. Mike Chase, I tried to have him call into the show here and offer the Aggies a special. Maybe if they call him after the show and say, yeah, if – if the Aggies lose, maybe they he will. Mike Chase at Calhoun's will give them a consolation beer or something. Yeah, he yeah. uses the name Kevin Seven. So we had to, they have nine Calhoun's locations in Knoxville, Tennessee. So for any of the Aggies that are going up there, check out Calhoun's. Now the nicest one or the biggest one is over there on the river. It's beautiful. You see the boats that drive up there. They call it the Vol Navy. So. Should be a fun weekend. Actually, Tennessee's only favored by three and a half over the Aggies. So good game. Yeah, it'll be it'll be close, and a lot of people are picking the Aggies. So, um, boy, I watched a game with the Aggies uh, this weekend in Alabama. Man, they do not like Jimbo Fisher. One of them was saying, "I hope we lose just so they fire Jimbo Fisher." So, yeah, as a Tennessee guy, I can understand that. We've had some bad ones. We had three bad coaches right in a row. But, you know, we'll see. He's Jimbo, I guess, is hanging in there. Uh, it's going to be bad for him when he loses to Tennessee, I should say. So best may the best team win. Okay. Yeah, we'll see what happens. It's going to be here. Can I talk about something? Go ahead. This is a question for me to you on the Roth 401K, which I have with my uh, company, Ray Station, here. Uh, what's the difference between the traditional and the Roth? Uh, am, I, am I in good standings here with having a 401k Roth? Yes. So it's like I said about trade-offs with investing. If you're going to protect the downside, you're going to trade off the upside of the return that you have. The same thing is true with packaging or the account type that you have. Now, we're talking about account types now. Mm-hmm. So there's a Roth account type and there is a traditional retirement account type. So there could be a Roth 401k and a Roth IRA. There can be a traditional 401k and a traditional IRA. So what's the difference? It's a trade-off. So the trade-off is that you're going to pay now or pay later. Over a longer period of time, it's better to be in a Roth, particularly if you think Taxes are going to be higher in the future, which I believe they are going to be higher in the future. So when you go into a Roth, 
you're paying up front. So it's after-tax contribution. You don't get the immediate benefit in a Roth like you do a traditional 401k or a traditional IRA. Usually you write it off. If it's a 401, traditional 401, they have some different uh, restrictions on the amount that you can tr- contribute to get the write-off in a traditional IRA. But the traditional 401k, let's keep it simple, right? We'll talk about 401k. So, or it could be a 403b or a 457. God, those are a bunch of numbers, aren't they? So most people who work for a profit company, that's a 401k. 403b is a nonprofit, for, for instance, a hospital, or and then you have a 457, that's government. So usually if you work for the government, you have a 403B and a 457. That you can have a 401K that's a Roth. You can have a 401, 403B or a 457 that is a Roth. So you're deferring the gratification, meaning you're paying into your Roth retirement account yeah. with after-tax dollars. The benefit, and it's a big one, this deferred gratification is that whenever you withdraw money from your Roth retirement account, you don't pay a penny in income taxes. And it doesn't even matter if you were to choose to move to or if you live in a high income tax state. You don't have to pay income taxes whenever you withdraw the money. And that's usually what we do whenever we have retirement accounts for people. We set it up usually in a traditional IRA. Once they hit that certain age, now it's age 73, they have to do what's called an RMD, a required minimum distribution. And Uh when that required minimum distribution goes into their account, they have to do withholding, withholding for taxes. They're in somewhere like the state of California. They got to do 20%. Usually they do something like a 20% federal, and then they'll do a 10% state. Mm-hmm. So here in Texas, obviously, yeah. you do not have a state income tax. So Roths are very good. It's a trade-off. You're, you're not getting the immediate benefit of a tax deduction because you're paying with after-tax dollars. So you're going to be paying taxes going in. But if you, think, if you think taxes are going to be higher when you're going to be withdrawing money out of your retirement account, then it's best to go with a Roth. And I do. I think so. I think that the taxes in the future are going to be higher than now. You just look at what in the world is going on with our government and the debt. It is absolutely insane. They have a huge, severe debt problem, and they just keep spending money like there's no tomorrow. It's pretty ridiculous. And so, unfortunately, there's we're really actually paying for this through inflation. So there are two economists out there. One, Some of the two most famous economists, you have Keynes, Keynes, Keynesian economics. That's where that Keynesian economics term comes. He's one of them. Then you have Milton Friedman, University of Chicago. Yeah. And he says every every budget that the government has is balanced. He says you're just you might not be seeing it in taxes because you know the the politicians they want to give you benefits and they don't want to raise your taxes. So what do they do? They just create more money. They can. We're talking about creating structured notes 
the government, U.S. government, can create cash out of thin air because it's not gold-backed. And so whenever the government creates more cash or the Federal Reserve does what they do with quantitative easing, then you have more cash in the system, which makes the dollar worth less. Not worthless, worth less, right? So it's uh, people pay. As we saw last year, we had a 9% inflation rate, and that's where that comes from. And we've had two downgrades in the U.S. Treasuries. We, the only one that hasn't downgraded yet is the S&P. So that's what happens when you have people that just, you know, when you have politicians that just continue to spend money. Now we're seeing some pushback, which is good. And we're going to hopefully not see as big of deficits in the future. So, but again, keeping it positive here, it's like I like to do. I'm bullish on America. Quite still, frankly, I'm still quite frankly bullish on the dollar. And I've been right about both for this year. And the, the S&P 500 is up significantly, and the dollar is up significantly this year. It's been a while. So, yeah, the, uh, I remember, I guess it was 98, 99, right after I started in the industry as a financial advisor. That's back when they came out with the euro. And the euro, let's face it, it was definitely created to compete against the U.S. dollar. It, back then, you, we, I went to Europe, and it was you could buy a eurozone a euro for 97 98 cents now it's a it's a buck oh five so it's a little bit more expensive now but uh and as the dollar gets stronger it'll you know that'll that euro bucko it's actually it looks like it's up to bucko six right now so whenever you go to europe which i don't know why anybody would right now but uh love oh yeah i'm going to be subsing for somebody who's going <laughs> to europe on a radio show um, now it's better to go into uh, Europe because the dollar is a little bit stronger than it was a few months ago. So um, that's good. That's, to there you have it. Two eight one five five eight five seven three eight. KSCB is our last four numbers. There two eight one five five eight KSCB. What's your number, Kevin? Seven. How do they get a hold of you directly? It's easy to remember. It's eight seven seven. Type it in the phone. K e v i n s. And the number seven. And so hopefully we'll be hearing this song on Saturday, but we will find out. We'll watch that A&M Tennessee game. And all Aggies should go to Knoxville to check out that stadium, school stadium. Be right back. Don't go away. There are three things you need to know when choosing a financial advisor. Number one, experience. Number two, credentials. And number three, judgment ability. I have over 27 years experience in the industry. I am a chartered retirement planning counselor, CRPC, and an MBA. Although past performance doesn't guarantee future results, we can show you that we've delivered results that double the S&P 500. Don't hesitate, call us at 877-KEVIN-7 or visit us on our website, K-E-V-I-N-S, the number seven, dot com. 
Paul Berlin, a radio icon. His unique style and warm personality endeared him to so many. His endless stories and great music will never die. Paul may no longer be with us, but his memory will live on. KSEV is proud to continue with the best of Paul. Every Saturday evening, 6 to 8 p.m., Paul said it best as he closed his show. We'll meet again at 700 a.m. KSEV in Heavenly Houston. Phone lines are open now. Call 281-558-5738. That's 281-558-KSEV. Yes, and we are back. Heavens 7. We love the small towns and fantastic clients that we have throughout Southern California and Southeast Texas with these small towns. Love the small town mentality. And so let's talk a little bit about when you have when you're looking at a financial advisor there's for the most part the the main two ways that you can pay a financial advisor is either through commissions or through a fee there is a third one they have a subscription model but i don't really know anybody that does that subscription model so how how does this work what's the difference between commission and fee well a fee it's Coming out of your account, no matter what happens on a JJO basis. What the heck is JJO? JJO is an accounting term. January, April, July, October. So they, if a financial advisor or a registered investment advisor opens up an account for you, they will debit your account if it's on a fee basis. They will debit your account no matter what on that quarterly basis. Now, a lot of people say, well, we make money when you make money. We don't make as much money when your, your money goes down. Yes. We do some of these types of accounts, but not very often. So that's how a fee-based account works. The problem with a lot of the fee-based accounts from people that come into chat with us. Usually it's during a Zoom call or they call us and schedule an appointment through 877-KEVINS-7. The problem with the fee basis is oftentimes a financial advisor sets up somebody on the fee basis and then their financial advisor, the, the, the client tells them, well, hey, what, thank you for coming in and chatting with us or scheduling the Zoom call. Why is it that you know, you're looking to make a change? Well, my financial advisor has not called me in three or four years. And that's not a good thing. Uh, you have your account is being debited on a quarterly basis. Quite frankly, the rules of being a registered investment advisor are that they have to reach out to you at least once a year to call you. So that's how a fee basis works. Now, we do a lot of business on a commission basis. Why is that? Well, whenever I 
chat with somebody or we look to make an investment change, I have to have them on the phone. So I will explain to them exactly what the investment is, what the benefit is, and what the cost is. So that their account, when it's set up on a commission basis, you know that it's not. there's not going to be a cost on the account from a, a fee basis structure that'll automatically debit your account on a J. Joe basis. So that would be J. Joe. They automatically debit the account on a quarterly basis on a fee. Commission, got to have you on the phone, got to have you live on the phone or a Zoom call to be able to make an investment selection. And with that, obviously, reminds you the client of the cost. So there's not a lot of variation in costs in the industry. A lot of people get hung up on costs, uh, but the way more important factor when looking at a financial advisor is the performance. We say that in the, the little blurb, commercial blurb, judgment ability. So you want to look at the performance that the financial advisor has had and make that the determining factor. Because, you know, whether it be 0.75 or 1.5 or 2%, what matters the most is the net return that you are receiving. You know who the most expensive money managers are? They're... They actually require the most amount of money. They are hedge fund managers. Oh, I've heard of that. And usually, you don't. You got to have a few million dollars to go into a hedge fund, and they charge the most. They charge two percent flat fee and twenty percent of the profit on the upside. Now, that's how the standard hedge fund works. So, again, whenever you're looking at a financial advisor, yes. You want to take a look at cost, but focus on the performance because that's what matters. And you want to see a track record. So anybody that you look at, you can see their track record and how they've performed. They should be able to pull that up for you. We pull that up and show them the performance of the Kevin's 7 over the past 15 years. And it's an excellent way for people to compare what they have currently with what potentially they could have. So that's the difference between commission and fee and how the costs are structured when you work with a financial advisor. You can reach Kevin Seven online at kevins7.com or you can call him at 877-KEVINS, K-E-V-I-N-S, 7. Did I do that right? Yes. Perfect. Okay. It's memorized. Talk about opening an account. Whenever you open up an account, you want to make sure, even if you're single, that you have a beneficiary. We, for single people, open up what's called a TOD, transfer on death account. So it'll bypass probate. It goes right to whoever the beneficiary is. The same as the way that retirement accounts are structured. Whenever you have your employer retirement account set up, you should list the beneficiaries. There is something called per stirpes. 
and something called per capita, whenever you look at beneficiaries, right? So, well, what the heck is that? Per stirpes is Latin. And it's important whenever you look at your beneficiaries to see if they are set up as per stirpes or per capita. So let's say I've got two kids, and I set it up per stirpes, right? So I have 50% going to one kid, 50% going to the other kid, right? In the unfortunate event one of the kids dies, per stirpes means if my kid has an heir, that heir would get that 50%. So it would pass from that beneficiary getting the 50% to that person's heir. So that's per stirpes. Now, per capita is totally different. See, this is why it is so important for people to look at their beneficiaries. Now, on our statements, whenever we send people a quarterly statement, we will show them what their beneficiaries are on their statement. This is how important it is because that's where your money is going to go if something were to happen to you. So per stirpes, we just talked about per stirpes. Let's talk about per capita. So the same scenario happens. Let's say I've got two kids. It's set up 50%. The money mm-hmm. I die, it goes 50-50. All right. So in this case, if one of the kids is already dead, if it's per capita, it doesn't go to that dead kid's heirs. It actually goes to my surviving beneficiary in per capita. Per capita means per person. Per stirpes is they're they're separating, they're stripping off, is the way I think of it, they're stripping off that to go down to the heirs of that potential, of that beneficiary. So not to get confusion, uh, so these two things you're talking about, either or, are there difference in, in between going one way or the other, the Latin or the other? Yeah, that's what I just explained. The that's per stirpes yeah. is that goes to your heirs. So okay. that's better. If, you, if, if you go 50% to one kid, the, the per stirpes, right? Right, yeah. It goes Got to it. that kid, and that kid's already dead. It goes to their heirs, so the grandkid. So that's a good thing. So the, yeah, that's a good thing. If it's set up per cat, and that's why usually these accounts, whenever people open up these financial advisors or whatever, they it defaults to per stirpes. Per capita means that that 50% does not go to that grandkid. It just 100% of it goes to the other beneficiary. Uh, okay. So that's the difference. So these things matter whenever you set up an account. You should know, particularly if it's a retirement account, if it's a retirement account, you want to know if it's per stirpes or per capita because it should, it it will make a difference. So So beneficiaries do change, so they they got to update things every so often. That's why it's good to put the, the beneficiaries on the statement as we do so that people can see and remind be reminded of who they have because life changes, right? And you never know what's going to happen in the future. We don't try to predict. We can't. Nobody can predict the future, but we can say with a certain amount of confidence what's going to happen tomorrow. 
right? Like I, oh, I never know. Some things I can. I, I'd say there's a hundred percent chance that the sun's going to come up tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Kevin? Tell us a little bit more about the process. If you know, if I, if I example, <clears throat> for example, wanted to make a change and and and, and go with Kevin Seven, how long does it take to, to put that into effect? What we do is we do a Zoom call usually, and I will share my screen with you so that you can see everything that I'm inputting in to open up your account. Now, it can be either a retirement account or a non-retirement account. Generally, it only takes 15 minutes, so it's pretty, pretty quick pretty fast, but we want to make sure that everything is correct. That's why I share my screen with you on a Zoom call so that you can see that all your address, your date of birth, social security, all of these things, your beneficiaries are set up correctly. And then if it's another brokerage company that we're transferring the assets in from, then we have an account transfer form. And that is fast and simple if it's with another brokerage company. It's generally the assets can be transferred in as little as three days. Now, if we have an account that we open up for you and it's your other accounts with an insurance company, man, these insurance companies, they're not set up to move as quick. So they have to send a check usually into your, we give you an address. It's actually in Fort Mill, South Carolina, where my broker dealer is, LPL Financial, and they deposit the check into your account. We usually give you a, if they, Fidelity actually is very efficient. If we're doing a 401k rollover or a 403b rollover, Fidelity will mail the check to you at your home. And then we give you a FedEx envelope label and you drop that and you send it. They make the check out to LPL Financial or, you know, it could be any broker or financial advisor's firm that you're working with. In our case, it's LPL Financial. And then, so you want to make sure that that is, that check is made out to the brokerage company for the benefit of you with your name on it. So that ah. whenever it goes in, it's a taxable event. You get a 1099-R that is coded the right way so that the IRS knows that it went from your re- employer retirement account into your IRA, your individual retirement account. So these accounts, depending if it's coming from another brokerage company or another RIA firm, they transfer within three days. It's fast and simple. If it's a 401k rollover, maybe about a week and a half. If it's an insurance company, it could be up to three weeks. But opening up an account, generally about 15 or 30 minutes, getting the transfer paperwork in order, another five or 10 so, but again, at the heart of everything we do is a financial plan. So we're onboarding you as a new person to our financial planning software so that you it's really cool. You can see all of your accounts no matter where they are. And usually, you know, you can't roll your, reti- your employer retirement plan into unless you leave that employer or unless you're beyond the age of 59 and a half, you can't roll it. So that's why it's important to always, particularly if you haven't, if you got your employer account like Gary here does, and Uh 
you can log in to the finance. All of this is free, by the way, to log into the financial planning software. You can go to Kevin Seven K E V I N S the number seven dot com. Three step process. You can link your accounts, so I can see your holdings. When it say if you have a Fidelity account or you have an Empower account or you have a Vanguard account, you can as long as you know your user ID and passcode, it will connect your Fidelity, Vanguard, whatever account that is, it will connect in the financial planning software and I will be able to see your holdings. And it wouldn't be surprising if I would say, hey, Tom, you're way over diversified. You have 30 different mutual funds. You probably have too much and uh, you might have overlap. You could probably be paying higher expenses than are necessary, in particular if it's a non-retirement account. A lot of these mutual funds are very tax inefficient. So there you have it. It's uh, pretty simple to get started, and we do this again step by step. We do it one. We don't. You're not going to be overloaded all at once with everything that's going on. You don't have to do everything at once. It's just a, a way to move forward step by step so that you get up and running with a financial plan. Everybody should do it. Hey, we'll see all you Aggies in Knoxville, Tennessee. Woo. Woo. Did you say whoop or go balls? Thanks for listening to Your Finance with Kevin Seven. If you have a question for Kevin during the week, you can call him at 877-KEVINS, the number seven. Or his website is KEVINS, the number seven, dot com. And join us again next Wednesday at 6 p.m. for Your Finances with Kevin Seven. Kevin Coogley is a registered representative with securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Where conservatives find their voice. AM 700 KSEV. Tom Ball, Houston. This hour from townhall.com. I'm Keith Peters reporting. As Israel is apparently preparing for a ground assault into Gaza after the Hamas terrorist attack on southern Israel, the White House says discussions are taking place about ways to protect innocent Palestinians in Gaza. White House correspondent Greg...